Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, December the 8th, 2017, and we are reading from the big book, The Doctor's Opinion, page XXXI, third paragraph, When I Need a Mental Uplift, through three paragraphs, concluding the Doctor's Opinion letter with his signature, William D. Silkworth, and we're commenting on all. Today's readers are Katie F., Nancy H., Mary B., Barbara E., and uh, Maura Z. The reference numbers for Wednesday, sorry, Thursday, December the 7th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10763, and the 10 a.m. meeting is 10765. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, KDF. And Nancy H. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. The 12 traditions... One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
true for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the doctor's opinion, page XXXI, third paragraph, when I need a mental uplift, through three, four paragraphs, concluding with William D. Silkworth, MD, and commenting on all. And Mary B., would you start off for us, please? Thank you very much, Lynn. Yes, I will be glad to. This is Mary B. Gratefully Recovered in Central California. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort, unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope 
would be through what we then called moral psychology. And we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. William D. Silkworth, M.D. Well, this is, I'm going to set a timer. This is a story of a gentleman uh, whose name I'm sure will be given to us later by one of our better historians, who was a total wreck of a human being and has wound up a fine specimen of a man. How did that happen? I think we know by now how that happened. But I want to, uh, uh, through working this, the steps through this um, through this big book, but I want to share my experience as a totally hopeless, 210 pound, non-stop binger who was very hopeless because I was in OA at the time that I reached that state, and. What happened for me, um, and uh, to describe the experience, coming off of that relapse and getting abstinent was not easy. It was a very, very difficult time. With us working with a sponsor and committing my food every day, I still had those thoughts that maybe just one, just this once. And then suddenly, I love that word, suddenly, I had a thought to eat. And I, it, that thought was replaced with, oh no, tomorrow I will feel awful. I will feel terrible tomorrow. I have to go to work and I have a, a special assignment. Um, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm when I was single, dating a new man, I have a date. I really want to be clear and clean. Well, that was not Mary B. Mary B. would have had that thought and been face first into the food and then thinking, oh my God, tomorrow. I'm going to feel horrible tomorrow. And with all that guilt, remorse, and self-condemnation. Well, I want to share something with you this morning. I've been in this program for 20,121 days. That's a lot of mornings to wake up in the morning. I have not ever, not one time did I ever wake up in the morning in those 20,121 days and say, oh, damn, I'm so sorry I stayed abstinent yesterday. Not once. And there goes my timer. Life is good in recovery. Thank you for the opportunity to share this morning.
Thank you, Mary B. The floor is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Tina S. Harlan G. Barbara E. Larry K. Jeanette S. Debbie M. Lauren N. Let's go with that list, please, and I'll tell you who I have. I have Janice M. Tina S. Harlan G. Barbara E. Larry K. Somebody M. And Lauren N. Okay, I missed somebody at between Larry and Lauren. Somebody M. Not S. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Let's go with this list, and we'll pick up on the next go round. So Janice M, can you start for us, please? Followed by Tina S. Certainly will, and thank you for this privilege. This is Janice M., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Lynn S. Well, he's given us two examples of what I should be doing. It's a very simple plan. It's clear directions. One, just like the wonderful plan, the five points that were given yesterday, I'm going to give four points for the common denominator in this particular um the common denominator with these two examples. One, I have to be hopeless. I have to be desperate. I can't do it on my own. I'm beaten. That's the first common denominator with these two examples. The second one is following, following the physical rehabilitation, which means to me elimination, elimination of my binge foods. That's the second denominator, common to both of these. And the third is the action. The third is the action. Sold. He's sold on what? He's sold on the program of recovery, which is, the both of them, the 12 steps. That's the third common denominator. And the very fourth common denominator that I see is both of them had not had a drink since, which means as the result of these 12 steps, they've had a spiritual awakening. Imagine, and this is what's happened to me and millions of others. This is the common denominator. This is the plan. I mean, you know, and this is my experience. And, um, you know, I was always trying to change this plan. Do it one way. Don't be physically absent. Try the steps first, and then, you know, you'll get it. You know, I did all that stuff. Um, And it didn't work. But this plan, this common denominator between these two examples is what I just said. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. And thank you, Janice M., Tina S., it's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Thanks so much, Lynn. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great reading. Glad we're on this part of the book. You know, uh, just for uh, for the moment, I'd like to talk about the last paragraph or before uh, the signature. It says, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may re- remain to pray. And, you know, one of the things that I have to share for myself is that the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous does not have a monopoly on God. And this works for me. If you're the alcoholic of the type that I am, then this is the solution. And I love what was just shared. Don't mean to cross talk, but, you know, I had to be desperate. 
I, and I also had to be free from my alcoholic foods, from my mind to have any kind of resemblance of a little bit of sanity to have the seed planted. And I like that it talks about, you know, if, if there is an, not another solution be, besides just being um, just being clear from the alcoholic foods, if that's all there is, then he, he knows that he's hopeless because he had tried that before to just be off the alcohol. And so then he says, you know, however, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. And, and that's my experience. I was sold on the ideas in this book. And I had to take, like was already shared, I had to take the action. I had to do the deal. If I wanted the deal, I had to do it. There was no way that I was just going to get it from the, the person sitting next to me because I had tried that. I had tried that. So through the action and the transformation of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I, one day at a time, do not have to eat compulsively. And I love my life today. And that was not my experience, you know, 30 years ago. And, um, and with that, I'll pass. Great stuff. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we're reading this morning about Fitz Mayo. We're reading about John Henry Fitzhugh Mayo, who was a good friend of Bill's. Fitz was one of the first uh, successful sponsorships that Bill consummated. Fitz got sober in New York. Uh, with Dr. Silkworth and Bill. And Fitz was dead in every sense of the word. He was defeated. He was bludgeoned down by his alcoholism. As I was bludgeoned down in the most unmerciful way by my compulsive overeating. I have memories of this time of year of Christmas parties of our companies and having crushes on girls or whatever it is I did. And looking around the world, and seeing that these people could just eat moderately and I could not, that they had thin bodies and I did not, that they engaged in life and I could not, and I just felt like there was no hope for me. And this moral psychology that he's talking about, that's a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And he, it says here, he became sold on the ideas contained in this book, I did not so much become sold on the ideas contained in this book. What I did was I started taking action after action after action, which I did not even yet believe in. But I took these actions because I saw them working in others and I felt like I had two paths. One is to go ahead and kill myself with food, death by Dorito, or if I'm going to live in this one lifetime, this is not a dress rehearsal, I might as well do something. And I don't know that I'm as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet, but I'm still alive. And in every sense of the word, my life has been given me by these 12 steps and this magnificent organization called Overeaters Anonymous. And although I scoff at myself sometimes, I do remain to pray. Now, before I close, I just want to say one other thing. Even though Dr. Silkworth's name is also mentioned on page XXVI as it is here, let's remember the guts that it took to write this because he wouldn't allow his name to be in the first 10 printings. 
and in 1949 when, here, when Thibault, uh, the famous psychiatrist, wrote his paper and presented it and the American Psychiatric Association, the American Medical Association in 1950 accepted alcoholism and, <clears throat> excuse me, as a disease, he said to Bill, you can put my name in there now for the 11th printing. And Dr. Silkworth died in 1951, but he remains to this day our great medical benefactor. And in the back of my mind, I always think to myself, who's my doctor? Dr. Silkworth. And with that, I will pass. Thank you to Dr. Silkworth. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Harlan G. Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Thank you so much for your service and for all everyone's wonderful shares during this past week. I'm so eager to be sharing again with you. I have an allergy of my body that not all people have, and it leads me to a craving, which leads me to an obsession that I cannot control without this moral transformation possible to me if I follow the directions precisely as explained in the big book. This is not fiction. It's fact. It's a textbook. I'm a teacher. I understand textbooks. All I know is that when I'm in my own head, I'm beyond and behind enemy lines. Nothing in my childhood would account for my compulsion to overeat great quantities of food. Later in life, I began to eat to self-medicate myself when I was feeling isolated, alone, sad, angry, or scared. I simply couldn't stop from, from getting that craving, which led me to pull into the first fast food restaurant or bakery I could find. And then once I started, I couldn't stop from continuing to eat. I would wake up in the morning feeling remorseful. But within an hour, I was stopping at a fast food restaurant to get something to eat as I drove to work and then cruising in the teacher's room and looking in my drawer to see what I had there because I couldn't stop. When I came into OA 20 years ago, two decades, I was desperate and willing to do anything I was directed to do, to follow the steps and remain abstinence, accompanied by a spiritual awakening. I needed it to turn my will and my life over to a power that I don't and I still don't understand because I'm human. But all I know is that I'm not smart enough and I am willing to follow and pray to a God I don't understand and I don't necessarily believe in, but I believe in goodness, tolerance, kindness, working with others, this wonderful, wonderful manual for me, and being abstinent. I have to wake up in the morning feeling good and praying and saying, thank you, God, I don't understand you, but I am so grateful for the opportunity to have another abstinent day and work with and speak to other compulsive overeaters just like myself. It's possible. I did it. 
I did it after nine times gaining over 100 pounds and failing. OA, vision for you, whatever you want to call it, it works. Just be willing to give it a try. Thank you. Happy Friday. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Jeanette S. Thanks, Lynn. This is Larry K., recovered compulsive overeater from uh, from Chicago. Um, that's not my keyboard, by the way, but that's all right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to focus in on... Um, focus in on the, uh, you know, he was sold on the ideas in, in this book. And I, I had to get clear on a couple of things. It helps me to connect back with the, um, the Oxford group, you know, the six principles, which were really the, you know, the preliminary stuff that, that later became our 12 steps. And there are six core principles because I need to know what ideas are at the core here of these actions embedded in these actions. And they are admitted hopelessness getting honest with self, getting honest with another, making amends, you know, we make restitution, helping others without demand. And their, their sixth one was prayed to God as you understand him, you know, and then we later, you know, we, 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 we carry the message and we, you know, we have service. These are actions. And I, I needed to get clear that there were two, two legs of, of this thing. One was fellowship and the other is the program of action. What Fitz Mayo was sold on was the program of action. Harlan spoke about that. The fellowship is a support system, and it is absolutely critical. It's essential, but it'll never get you well. The fellowship is not the same thing as the program of action. The program of action is, again, I read those six principles because those are at the core embedded in the actions that we take to experience a transformation an inward restructuring, if you will. And when someone becomes inwardly restructured, sort of brought into kind of congruence or alignment with the higher power of their own understanding, they don't think and feel the way they used to think and feel. And, you know, since all action is born in thought, they don't act the way they used to act. That's why you hear people on this line or you meet people in your, in your communities that are recovered See, they're not thinking and feeling the way they used to think and feel. Why? Self-knowledge? No, no. We, we learn self-knowledge isn't enough. Why? Because they have an extraordinarily supportive, nurturing fellowship? No, no, that won't do it. You may have that. Very necessary, but that won't do it. No, they took the actions in order to have this inward restructuring so they don't think and feel and act and behave the way they used to behave. God effectuates, brings about the spiritual awakening. We just, we just row our boat. We just take out our axe and chop our wood. We take the actions. Yes, we have to do the work because faith without works is dead. But when we take those actions, something happens that's not, not born of science. I still can't figure out why it happened. I just know that it did. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Jeanette, it's your turn, followed by Lauren N. Hi, this is Jeanetta, recovered from Maybrook, New York. Um, this, the thing that struck me in this paragraph today is how hidden in a deserted barn 
determined to die. Um, I just realized this morning that I'm going to an anniversary of um, when I had figured out how to uh, leave here. Um, For five years prior, I had um, been getting rid of my friends. Um, This was like a long time planning, I guess. Got rid of all my friends and um, was really trying to figure out how to how to help myself because I couldn't stand this mind of mine anymore. Um, I really I don't have a lot of weight to lose um, in my body, but it was all you know 400 pounds in my head between my ears. And a year ago, this past fall, a year ago around now, I was really planning on committing suicide. I was determined to die. Um, I had a 40-year-old pistol permit that I wondered if it was still valid and um, found out that it was inadvertently and then saw a movie, which that's all I was doing. I was isolating so much. I watched and watched like 600 movies in one year um, at home with the curtains drawn on a beautiful summer day um, inside watching movies. Um, so this past fall, I really just, you know, a year ago, um, I was done. I was just done with this life and ready to just end the whole thing. I had one of the movies I saw showed me the position to hold the gun. Um, I I was I in my twenties I was a competitive pistol shooter and quite good at it. Um, uh, but I it just I'm like it scared me. I thought, oh my gosh, I really I really I put the pieces together. I really can do this. I really can do this. Or life put the pieces together for me. I don't know who put the pieces together. And it scared me. It scared me so much. Prior to that, I had looked on the Internet for potassium overdose, you know, the Jim Jones um, formula, different things like that. But they just didn't seem right to me. But the pistol thing, I said, okay, large caliber. Now I know how to hold it. Um, it scared me. It really scared me. I did not believe in God at that time. And I just, it scared me so much that I said, if there is a God, you better do something quick because I'm going to be out of here soon. And what came to me the next morning, and this is how it always happens for me, the next morning as I'm waking up, coming up out of sleep, said, go to OA. Try OA one more time. And I went to the rooms. I kept going and going and going until that was on my birthday. I went for my birthday, December 26th. It was actually the day after. It took a month to find a room where somebody said the word recovered. And she shares on here often. Um, Thank Thank you. She's now my sponsor. And today I am now sponsoring and it's just such a joy to be of service and to, um, you know, it's, I couldn't have done it without you guys, without this renaissance program, as another says. And the back to the principles of, you know, this book. And that's it. And that's all I need. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Jeanette S. 
Lauren N., it's your turn. Good morning, all visionaries. Thank you so much for your sh for everybody's share. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Um, I love um, this whole this whole chapter. I've read it hundreds of times, I guess, or it feels that way. And and I could read it hundreds and hundreds more every time I hear something new. Um, with the power of this program and what these men and women, the hundred men and women wrote in the instruction book of life. Dr. Silkworth writes, however, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then and he is a fine specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I don't know that I'm a fine specimen of womanhood, um, but I certainly am a different person today than I was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 50 years ago. I'm happy, joyous, and free. I share that. I can often get obsessed in my head and become sick in a moment. But with the grace of this program and of God and of everybody I hear on this line and of all the people that I touch and touch me throughout this program of recovery and fellowship, I get that it's not about my brain. My brain just processes things screwed up. And I want to be in control of everything and I want to be a different person, but I don't necessarily act like a different person. And I have to act like a different person if I want to be that different person. Instead of picking up, I pick up the phone, I text, I call, I write, I listen. I re listen to recordings, I listen to audiobooks, I listen to other people speaking about this program of action, and I'm able to stay out of my head where I've heard so many times, it's a very scary place to be when you're all alone. And it's true, it is. My thank brain, you. thank you very much. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Lauren N. For those of us who came online a little bit later, we're in the doctor's opinion, page XXXI third paragraph, when I need a mental uplift, through four paragraphs, concluding with the signature William D. Silkworth, and commenting on all. Vasa O. Lisa B. Melanie C. Reva P. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. I've got Debbie M. Vasa O. Lisa B. Melanie C. and Reva P. Did I miss? Was there somebody I missed there? Uh, yeah, S. 
Leah S. Okay, great. Let's this is Raquel E. If you still have and room Raquel, if we have room. Okay. Debbie S. Thank you. It's your turn, followed by Vasa O. Are you there, Debbie? Press star one to unmute. Okay, how about we go on then, Vasa O, followed by Lisa B. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Thank you, Lynn, for your service and for everybody shared this morning. It's awesome to be at the meeting. And of all the chapters in this book, this is the most chapter that I have marked, the doctor's opinion. I mean, everything is underlined, everything is circled, stars, I mean, everything, everything is there. It's just amazing that, you know, I came to the big book and I heard what was the matter with me. I knew there was something wrong. I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I tried to put the food down many times. I couldn't. But anyway, by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was that hopeless person. I was beaten. I was desperate. I, I you know, with, I was sold. I, you know, I said, you know, if I don't do this, I'm just going to die. And I'm so grateful that I found out about the body allergy, the mental obsession, and that there was no way about it. I was an action person in other areas of my life, but, I, you know, I was a workaholic, so I decided I better put the time and energy in, in me right now, you know, working the program and the, te- and the 12 steps. Otherwise, I'm not going to survive, you know. My kids are not going to have a mother, you know. But anyways, I, I was ready, and I was just so willing to, to surrender. And, um, and I remember this part here, what it says, um, uh, something about this alcoholic. Uh, he wanted to be locked in the barn and die or something like that. But anyways, I remember when I worked and saying, oh, maybe if I was home, I'd be able to control the food better, you know. And then when I was at home, I had my first child. I was doing the work thing at home because the food was available to me all the time. And I remember in the morning thinking, I'd say to myself, well, if my husband just locked me in the room, then I'm not going to be able to get, I mean, this was really insane. I had a child, you know, but it was insane thinking. I thought if somebody just locked me, I couldn't get to the food, and that will be the, the solution to my problem. I had a lot, a lot of crazy thinking. But anyways, this was the answer to my problem, and the, this is the action I took. I put the alcoholic foods down. It was, it was torture. And, uh, uh, and then I threw myself in the 12 steps, you know. Time, please. Thank you very much. I'll pass. And this is it. It's stay abstinent, work the steps, and give it away. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Lisa B., it's your turn, followed by Melanie C. 
Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I wanted to talk about the line. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. And, you know, it's funny because um, when we're reading through the big book, a lot of uh, stumbling blocks for people that are mentioned in this book is the God idea, you know, the higher power idea. You know, in um, in We Agnostics, it talks about how his face falls when we start to discuss the spiritual principles that we must live by. But you know what? I actually find a stumbling block is entire abstinence. I talk to people regularly, and I hear so much resistance on entire abstinence, either just, I don't know, they don't want to give up everything, everything that's giving them the effect. They want to just continue on living in, you know, the problem, which is their food. Their food is the solution. They're using the food, and they just don't want to completely surrender. And so they're talking about, however, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. And I love how someone shares on this line that we have the unique um, problem or we're blessed in I forgot how she says it, but that we have to define our abstinence, what our, what our alcoholic foods are, whereas the alcoholic, you know, they put the alcohol down and the mood-altering substances. But for me, you know, it's, it's a whole big thing that I really need to look at, what, what my entire abstinence really means. And until I can really become sold on that, it's, I'm not going to be able to move forward and get the effect that this these steps promise me, you know. Um, And then the other thing that I just wanted to talk about on page um, 98, it says, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. And I could also say in that, um, regardless of anyone or anything. So this guy, what he did is he diagnosed himself. And he decided his situation hopeless and then hidden in a deserted barn. And when I can surround myself with recovered compulsive overeaters who have walked this walk and have had the experience, I can start to believe that if they've done it, I can do it. But I must accept entire abstinence. But that is the first and foremost thing for me. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Melanie C., it's your turn, followed by Reva P. Hi, Lynn. This is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. What would it take to lift the mind of somebody like Dr. Silkworth? I wondered when I read that. You know, this gentleman, Fitz, had such a physical stark transformation that it apparently was the thing to lift Dr. Silkworth's spirits. It must have been, I would imagine, you know, such an image of a before and after picture of Fitz that it would be so much. I know what it takes for me to have a mental uplift. I remember certainly in the olden days, and it was quite a bit after I numbed myself out with a copious amounts of food, and then I still would need some sort of lift, and it was was dramatic. (laughs) It was dramatic. But somehow, somewhere even with this wonderful physical rehabilitation that Fitz knew about, he knew it wasn't going to be complete. He was still not whole. And the only thing that he knew to say, which was the only thing that I knew to say, was please take care of me. Please help me. Please promise me. Do this for me. Do this for me. That's the best that he knew to do. Well, you know, his strongest believer, his strongest cheerleader, 
that used him as a mental uplift had doubts that he was going to be able to pull through this based on the condition of his mind, his depression so bad, his, his situation so complex that what worked here that we know works for us. He wasn't sure. He didn't know of that sort of thing. So what works for me in being able to have that situation, that promise, because we're told that there's no human power that's going to pull me up out of some moment, sometime, somewhere. I had, had, I had best find that other thing, and they teach me how to do that in here, in these directions. And that is to press into a higher power so strong and continue to enlarge that because I'm going to need that someday when I'm, I'm all alone and left with only my thinking. And that is a scary thing. But the promises, and I use this as my trilogy of triage for Melanie, that is, admit to God, to myself, and to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs, and I transfer that wrongs to my nature, the exact nature of my nature. I have to get to know the qualities and the characteristics of my disease so much, school myself into it so much that I can grab it up instantly. And the other thing that helps me to do that through the grace of my higher power is page 13 and 14 if I have a moment to read it. On the bottom paragraph it says, my friend promised, and that's the only thing I ever watched for was a promise. When these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems, all of Melanie's problems, belief in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Simple, but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. And that is something that I work on every single day is this destruction of self-centeredness. It says, oh, it's my prayer meditation time, but if I could just go get a glass of water, if I could just go put on my tennis shoes first, it's your time for prayer meditation. It is a constant battle with the undisciplined, errant teenager in my brain that keeps me in this issue around the very simple thing. Establish it, Melanie. You establish this and maintain it. The same thing every single day you'll have that promise that you were seeking Dr. Silk with the promise that he couldn't do. Time, Steve. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Melanie C. Reva P., it's your turn, followed by Leah F. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I'd like to share on the word scoff which what I understand it means is to doubt or to even mock or make fun of. And when I first came to my first meeting in that church basement, I thought, are you kidding? What are these people talking about? Can you just give me the magic pill, the magic uh, you know, three-day program, get me fixed and get me out of here? Um, and you know, to this day, I can doubt. I can doubt that working the steps is really going to solve all my problems, whatever they are. Um, But the solution is just like this man's example. When I'm sold on the ideas in the book, when I actually take the action, because it says 
you know, although I doubt I need to pray, but I've loved the saying that I hear in these um, meetings that prayer without action is just begging. I'm not going to get any results if I just pray. The only way to pray uh, for me and to access a power that I'm praying to is to do the step work so that my blocks are removed and I'm actually accessing the power. Um, And once I take the action, then I get the results. And for me, it's like the analogy, you know, I'm in an ocean and there's lots of waves and I'm about to drown because I can analyze, I can really analyze so well. And I hear with a lot of sponsees, you know, the whole analyzing of how it's going to work, if it's going to work, why it works, as opposed to just doing the deal. Um, So if I'm in an ocean and I'm drowning and somebody sends me a life preserver and a life jacket and I have to take action and put them on, if I'm in the water trying to analyze how it's going to work, I'm just going to go down. Like there's there's no time to start analyzing and figuring it out. Um, I take the action, I do the instructions, and then I'm saved. Um, And with that, I pass. Oh, Riva, did we lose you? Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lynn, and ditto, ditto to everyone who has shared. My name is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. Um, I wanna, I wanna talk about the word pain, pain, pain that can, that 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 I experience in um, in beginning when I first came into the program, and pain that I. I bring upon myself, and the reason I say I bring upon myself is that when I do not um, have enough humility or I do not um, resort to all of the steps, and meaning the 10th, 11th, and 12th, then I bring pain upon myself because life has life's challenges, and we do not deny it. We, we go into it. We we face it, and we're able to come out of it, and the pain is not so intense. The pain becomes joy, and um, it, it's not about it. The equation of food is completely lost in, in the process at all. It's, it's about a way of life, and it's about... Um, what I have been doing before when I have been eating has not worked because it led me right back into the pain and into the food. But what I am doing now and working my, my 12 steps is leading me to the freedom of being in alignment with my higher power. And there's just, there's just so much joy and freedom in that. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. And Raquel E., it's your turn. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you so much for this wonderful meeting. I would like to stay for another month or so on the doctor's opinion. It is just so incredible. And everybody who shares and adds another piece to that puzzle about how it worked for them. We should not have a 2% recovery in our program. 
we should just, it's just incredible. Everybody who reads it should be staying to, to admire this. To, the people who scoff at it, well, they're not our concern. It's the people that I care about who come in and unfortunately cannot see what we are getting for all these giving up, giving up this kind of food and that kind of food. I just cannot have, I don't have enough words to express my gratitude that I, I am, since I've been in the vision for you, I'm in program for 38 years, but in this last eight years, when I was humble enough to go to AA and go to NA and get the message of life or death, and then, thank God, coffee shop was established and I had a vision for you, but I have to quote something from there. Someone already quoted from there, from from the, the time that um, that uh, Bill was talking to Abby, and he said that it will solve all his problems. And I remember the gentleman, "Honey, what part of the word all don't you understand? All my problems. And now that I have such big trouble with my back, and maybe it's going to an operation, and maybe not, maybe another kind of." solution, and I, I, would, I would not run to the food, I would be immersed in it from feet to, 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 to top to, to my last standing hair on my head, and that it's just, it's not even a function, it's not even a thought, and that's a miracle, that's an incredible miracle, because I, I always have this uh, in my mind to, to talk to our dear Harlan, why did he have to do this Holocaust thing with his parents? eating Kit Kats and whatever he mentions, Reese's Pieces, and I had to do it on dry bread with mildew on it because I really was born into the Holocaust in 1941. And you know what? It has nothing to do with my being a compulsive eater. Even that doesn't have... It just, that's how it is. I am. I am constructed that way. I resort back all the time to this wonderful saying of Irene, how she says, God is now really fixing for me. He's fixing the wires in my head and softening my heart. And my gratitude is, is endless. And to all of you, my dear ones there, you are my family. Thank you for being Time here. Please. And I pass. I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Raquel E. Thank you to everyone who shared. And thank you to Team Friday, KDF, Nancy H., Mary B, Barbara A, Lauren N, and Kim G. Um, today, please join us for a second unrecorded, unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today is 10768. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, <laughs> followed by the serenity prayer. Will Barbara E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Barbara E. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.